0: What kind of place does this make our world? The capitalist system gives the average person very little control over the collective capabilities and technologies of her society, and very little say in their deployment. Even though it is her labor, and that of people like her, that has made possible the construction of the world she lives in, she feels as though that labor, her own potential, and the potential of her fellow human beings, is foreign to her, outside of her control, something that acts upon the world regardless of her will. Small wonder if she feels frustrated, powerless, unfilled, dreamless. But it is not just this lack of control that makes capitalism so hostile to human happiness. In in place of democratic control over our lives and our society, we have the heartless dominion of force. Violence is not only present when human beings do physical harm to each other. Violence is there, albeit in a subtler form, whenever they use force upon each other in their interactions. It is violence that is at the root of capitalism. Under the capitalist system, All the economic laws governing human life come down to coercion. Work or go hungry. Dominate or be dominated. Compete or perish. Sell the hours of your life away for the means to survive or rot in poverty or jail. Most people go to work because they have to, not because they want to. They sell their time to buy food and shelter and to pay the bills for all the status symbols and luxuries they have been conditioned to collect, only because they know that the alternative is starvation and ostracism. They may like some of the things they do at their jobs, but they would much rather do these things on their own time and in their own way, and do other things besides that their jobs leave them no time or energy for. To force the maximum productivity out of people who would rather be elsewhere, corporations use a thousand mechanisms of control. They schedule work hours for their employees, make them punch time clocks, keep them under constant observation. Bosses and workers are brought together under mutual economic duress, and they negotiate with each other under invisible threats the one pointing the gun of employment and poverty to the other's head, the other threatening poor service and, possibly, strikes. Most people try to maintain some concern for the human needs of others, even on the job. But the essence of our economy is competition and domination, and that always comes out in our relationships with those above and below us in the work hierarchy. Can you imagine how much more advantageous and how much more fun it could be for all of us if we were able to act out of love rather than compulsion? If we did things for the sheer joy of doing them and worked together because we wanted to, not because we had to, wouldn't that make it more enjoyable to do the things that are necessary for survival and to be around each other, for that matter? For these patterns of violence inevitably spill over into the rest of our lives, too. When you're used to regarding people as objects, as resources to be spent or enemies to be feared and fought, it's hard to leave those values behind when you come home. The hierarchy that private ownership imposes upon relationships in the workplace can be found everywhere else in society, in schools, in churches, in families, and in friendships, everywhere the dynamics of domination and submission take place. It's almost impossible to imagine what a truly equal relationship would consist of in a society where everyone is always jockeying for superiority. When children fight in grade school or rival gangs fight war in the streets, they are merely imitating the greater conflicts that take place between and within corporations and the nations that serve their interests. Their violence is regarded as an anomaly, but is just a reflection of the violent, competitive world that fostered them. When potential friends or lovers evaluate each other in terms of financial worth and status, rather than according to heart and soul, they are simply acting out the lessons they have been taught about market value. Living under the reign of force, it's almost impossible not to look at other human beings and the world in general in terms of what's in it for you. If we lived in a world where we could pursue whatever aspirations we pleased without fear of dying, hungry, crazy, and unloved, like Van Gogh and a thousand others, our lives and relationships would no longer be modeled on violence. Perhaps it would be easier for us to look at each other and see what is beautiful and unique, to look at nature and appreciate it for what it is, to be and let be, rather than always seeking power and advantage. There have been hundreds of other societies in the history of our species in which people have lived that way. Is it really too much to think that we could reorganize our own society to be more democratic? Okay, okay. But what's the alternative? The alternative to capitalism would be a consensual society in which we could decide individually and, where necessary, collectively, what our lives and surroundings would be, instead of being forced into them by so-called laws, like supply and demand. Those are only laws if we let them be. It's hard to imagine a society based on cooperation from this vantage point, since the only societies most of us have seen in our lives are based on competition. But such societies are possible. They've existed over and over in the history of our species, and they can exist again if we want. To escape from the fetters of competition, we need to develop an economy that is based on giving rather than trading, a gift economy in place of this exchange economy. In such a system, each person could do what she wanted to do with her life and offer to others what she felt most qualified to offer without fear of going hungry. The means to do things would be shared by everyone rather than hoarded up by the greediest individuals so each person would have all the capabilities of society at her disposal. Those who wanted to paint could paint. Those who enjoy building engines and machines could do that. Those who love bicycles could bake and repair them for others. The so-called dirty work would be spread around more fairly, and everyone would benefit from being able to do a variety of things rather than being limited to one trade, like a cog in a machine. Work itself would be a thousand times more pleasurable, without tight schedules or demanding bosses constraining us. And though we might have a slower rate of production, we would have a wider array of creative pursuits in our society, which could make life fuller and more meaningful for all of us. Besides, do we really need all the trinkets and luxuries we slave so hard to make today? This sounds like a utopian vision, and it is, but that doesn't mean that we can't make our lives a lot more than they are right now. We don't have to look only to the bushmen of the Kalahari Desert for examples of what life is like outside of capitalism, either. Even today, there are plenty of opportunities in our own society to see how much better life is when nothing has a price. Whenever a knitting circle meets to share friendship and advice, whenever people go camping together and divide up responsibilities, whenever people cooperate to cook or make music or do anything else for pleasure rather than money, that is the gift economy in action. One of the most exhilarating things about being in love or having a close friend is that, for once, you are valued for who you are, not what you're worth. I wonder what a feeling it is to enjoy things in life that come to you for free without having to measure how much of yourself you're exchanging for them. Even in this society, almost everything we derive real p- pleasure from comes from outside the confines of capitalist relations. And why shouldn't we demand all the time what works so well in our private lives? If we get so much more out of our relationships when they are free from the coercion of ownership and competition, why shouldn't we seek to free our work relationships from that coercion as well? But who will collect the garbage if we all do what we want? Well, when a group of friends live together in an apartment, doesn't the garbage get taken out? It might not get taken out as regularly as it would by a janitor at an office, but it gets taken out voluntarily, and it isn't always the same guy stuck doing it. To suggest that we can't provide for our own needs without authority forcing us is to vastly underestimate and insult our species. The idea that we would all sit around doing nothing if we didn't have to work for bosses to survive comes from the fact that, since we do have to work for bosses to survive, we would all rather sit around doing nothing. But if we had our energy and our time to ourselves, we could, we could rediscover how to use them, for practical purposes as well as impractical. Remember how many people enjoy gardening for its own sake, even when they don't have to do it to survive? Surely we wouldn't let ourselves starve to death in a society where we share decisions and power rather than fighting over them. And the fact that so many people are starving today indicates that capitalism is no less impractical than any other system might be. We're often told that it is human nature to be greedy, and that this is why our world is the way it is. The very existence of other societies and other ways of life contradicts this. Once you realize that modern capitalist society is only one of a thousand ways that human beings have lived and interacted together, you can see that this talk of human nature is nonsense. We are formed, first and foremost, by the environments we grow up in, and human beings now have the power to construct our own environments. If we are ambitious enough, we can design our world to reconstruct us in any shape our hearts desire. Yes, all of us are haunted by feelings of greed and aggression, living as we do in a materialistic and violent world. But in more supportive environments, built on different values, we could learn to interact in ways that would bring more pleasure to all of us. Indeed, most of us would be far more generous and considerate today if we could be. It's hard to give gifts freely in a world where you have to sell a part of yourself away in order to get anything at all. Considering that, it's amazing how many gifts we still give each other. The people who talk about human nature would tell us that this nature consists chiefly of the lust to possess and control. But what about our desires to share and to act for the sheer sake of acting? Only those have given up on doing what they want content themselves by finding meaning in what they merely have. Almost everyone knows that it is more rewarding to bring joy to others than it is to take things from them. Acting freely and giving freely are their own reward. But those who think that from each according to her means to each according to her needs unfairly benefits the receivers have simply misunderstood... What makes human beings happy? It's tempting to think of capitalism as a conspiracy of the rich against everyone else, and to conceive of the struggle against capitalism as a struggle against them. But in truth, it is in everyone's best interest that we do away with this economic system. If true wealth consists of freedom and community, we are all poor here. For even to be rich in society that is hostile to those things is only to possess the greatest amounts of poverty. This system is not the result of an evil plot by a few villains bent on world domination, Even if, and even if it was, they've only succeeded in condemning everyone, themselves included, to the shackles of domination and submission. Let's not be too jealous for them just because they seem better off from a distance. Anyone who's grown up in one of their households can tell you that for all their bank accounts and sprinkler systems, they're no happier or freer than you are. We should try to find ways to make everyone see what it is to be gained from transforming our society and to evolve everyone in it. If that's a difficult challenge, and it sometimes seems to you that the masses deserve what they get for accepting this way of life, don't lose heart. Remember, the system they accept is the one you live under. Your chances for liberation are inextricably tied to theirs. Don't be paralyzed by the seeming vastness of the forces arrayed against us. Those workforces are made up of people just like you, yearning to break free. Find ways to escape from the system of violence in your own life, and take them with you when you can. Seize any free moment, any opportunity you can get your hands on. Life can be sold away, but it can't be bought, only stolen back.